And we are live. Welcome, folks, to episode 3098 of the Survival Podcast. If you found the video later or you just tuned into a live feed because somebody sent it to you, this is primarily been for 14 years an audio podcast. So uh, we just started doing these live feeds uh, about six months ago when we found the magic of StreamYard. And that means that every episode that you will ever check out on YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey or Float or wherever you see it, We'll also have a uh, static page on my blog at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Generally speaking, there'll be a link in the video notes. If you're watching live, uh, you can't get to that page while it's live. It's not live. It's Memorex, the other page. Uh, but within about an hour of the live stream ending, you can go over there. You'll find links, resources, the audio version. You can subscribe to my stuff. All of that good stuff will be over there. What are we going to be talking about today? I have got an absolute shitstorm of a show for you guys today. I really do. Uh, I'm going to be monkeying around. I have nothing to do with the pox just yet uh, with some stuff on YouTube as well, uh, showing you some videos from other content creators, and we'll see how that goes. Hopefully it will work out for the guys on the audio. Only have to do a little bit of voiceover work on the editing. But we're going to talk about the food shortage and how our government is literally creating freaking food shortage suicide, in my opinion, with what we're doing. We're going to have some real problems this summer and going into fall because our government is stupid. But what's new? Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this drought that they're not really talking about. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's worse than they say it is. And I don't know if they're lying or it has to do with how they actually consider rainfall and the drought. We'll talk about that when I get to it. 44 central bankers went to El Salvador recently, and uh, then they all got on the beach together and screamed Bitcoin. Uh, none of the G7 or G20 nations or anything. These are all small nations. A lot of them are uh, African, Asian, South, and Central American nations. But uh, it's still over 40 central bankers down there in El Salvador on Bitcoin Beach learning how to use lightning. I'm sure it's nothing. Don't worry about it. You should ignore it and just, you know, don't worry about it because the Media is not talking about it or anything, so it must not be important. We are going to talk about the monkeypox. It's total bullshit. But I'm also going to say some stuff that will offend some people. The truth. Uh, some of y'all might not even like it, but it is the truth. Uh, and then I'm going to tell you something I think is going to happen. This is a Jack Predicts moment. We're going to talk about vaccines and not necessarily the uh, clot shot, but just the shots in general and where I think this monkeypox head fake is going. Uh, it's just another psyop. I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen with Musk's Twitter. No, the deal's not off. It's called negotiation. It's also called trolling. But I'm going to tell you, I think Jack Dorsey, and this is from a video that's almost a year old now, and I'm not going to play it or anything for you, but if you really go back and listen to that video, and it's uh, it's Dorsey, it's Musk, it's Kathy Wood, and one other person. I don't remember who the other one is. Uh, by the way, I'll, I'll tell you when we get to it about what's going on. People are using it for phishing scams right now, so be careful. Uh, they almost got they almost got me to leave it being shared last night. I, they wouldn't have got me with the fish, but they. Uh, I was like, I think this is new, and I was listening to it in the background and doing some other shit, and I'm like, wait, I heard this before. But I'm going to tell you, I, I, I think that you're going to see a Dorsey return to Twitter and not quite the same, not as a CEO again, but working in in Twitter or through Musk with Twitter. 
um, with major Bitcoin integration on, on the uh, Twitter platform. Uh, it will be Steve Jobs-esque, but not the same. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a treaty that Biden is backing with the World Health Organization that literally signs away U.S. sovereignty over its own decisions during a pandemic. I'll also tell you why he can shove it up his ass, but I'll tell you why America does shit like this. Um, it'll make sense when I explain it. So the United States cannot enter into a treaty in a binding manner without two-thirds of the United States Senate, and that ain't going to happen here. But Biden's actually gone out of his way to make the agreement worse. Friends and neighbors with pattern recognition skills, why do you think he would do that if we're not ever going to be bound by it ourselves? Just think of uh, the United Kingdom pushing for the euro when they joined the EU, but then they didn't do something that everybody else had to do. Yeah, you should figure it out right there. Um, I'm going to show you some couple different videos. Hopefully, it'll work out well. Screen sharing a YouTube video, we'll see. Um, I, a Ukrainian woman asked, in the middle of a freaking war zone, why don't you evacuate? Her answer is striking. This will be the one I'll have to do some voiceover for the audio people, or maybe I'll just cut it out and tell you what happened on the audio side, uh, because both of them are speaking Russian. Then the same journalist, um, it's like finding an actual journalist. Now, it doesn't mean I trust everything he says, but there's a story going around right now coming out of Kiev um, claiming that they're evacuating these, uh, the, these heroic Azov Battalion soldiers from Ukraine, and it's total bullshit. And I'm going to tell you why you should be following this dude, Patrick Lancaster, because even if I don't believe everything he says is, you know, purest of driven snow, I trust a man that's been embedded with the military and in these active haunt zones for eight years, a hell of a lot more uh, than people that are vi showing videos of Jill Biden and Bono in, in the middle of a supposed war zone while everybody's having a good time at a party. Uh, we're also going to talk about the UFOs. I don't think I've ever talked about UFOs. Man, I've had a lot of people try to get on the show because, dude, man, I got proof that the aliens are real and we're using – no, 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 no. That's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the PSYOP going on right now and some of the stupidity uh, in this whole cult-like belief system that's now being psyoped into the mainstream and, and why they might do that. We're going to talk a little bit about a thing called the Bolt Card. That works on the Bitcoin Lightning Network. I'm not going to play the video for it because it's just really super quiet and I can't make the levels work out, but I got a link to it. But I'm going to tell you why, like, it doesn't even matter. I'm going to show you something I'm going to tell you. It doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why it doesn't matter, and then it'll make sense. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about tiplightning.com, which is where you can tip me in Lightning if you want to, um, if you want to do that. All right, so let's, let's lead off here with I do want to tell you about my good buddy, Paul Wheaton, and something he's got going on called Permaculture Jamboree. I've got a blog post about it out today. I really think you want to check this thing out. If you want to empower yourself, guys, you need to learn how to do the things that are really necessary. They're going to be doing a ton of stuff. They're going to be showing some of the food growing systems that Paul uh, has built up. They're using Earthworks and Google Maps and stuff like that. They produce millions of calories literally millions of calories with little to no irrigation or maintenance, uh, intensive food preservation techniques, uh, rocket mass heaters, 
wood wood timber framing, building exclusively with natural materials. I got to talk to Paul at John Bush's exit and build, and it really kind of blew me away. There was things I didn't know. I guess I knew, but I really never thought about going on with what Paul and his people are doing up on his place in near Missoula, Montana. Um, he mentioned how sometimes people come in and they think they're going to build their little shack or whatever on their land that they get, and they're going to do it like using you know standard materials from Home Depot and Lowe's. And you can do some of that, but no plywood or particle board or anything like that. Um, they're building from what's on the land mostly the way you know it used to be. And if you really want to learn from people that are actively doing this, you probably want to check this out. Let me just say, if you if you can't get up there, I understand. People have been asking me, well, Jack, are you going to be there? I'm not. And I'm going to tell you, I'm freaking jealous of any of you that get to go. It just so happens that period of time I am spoken for and committed to things with family. And I, I, I will weasel out of some things. I will not weasel out of family things. My family deals with... Uh, my erratic life enough that they don't need me weaseling out of things that I said that I would do. So I'm kind of jealous that I can't be up there, at least for part of it. Um, but you guys, you want to check this out. And if you can't go and you like what Paul's doing, he's got a Kickstarter out right now called Free Heat. Really cool stuff, low cost of entry, uh, and a lot of other perks to go with it. There'll be a link in today's audio notes you can find after this ends. And if you're on my daily mail, you, you'll get that as well. So if you're not on my daily mail, which is just a daily email of all the new shit, get on my daily mail. Go to the survivalpodcast.com and, well, you guessed it, click on daily mail. All right. So with that, let's dig into this. Um, I, I hate telling you some of the stuff that I have to tell you guys. I, I really do. But this just keeps happening. It just keeps happening more and more. Let me see where my, yeah. It's, it's almost a sick thing at this point. So more and more countries are banning the export of foods. And, and remember guys, if you got stuff for me to comment on or answer at the end, all caps in the comments in the live stream chat. But more and more nations are banning the exportation of food, especially grains like wheat, Barley, rice, et cetera. Cause these are the, you know, even if they shouldn't necessarily be the foods that we rely on to feed ourselves because, well, it's, it's animal food. Um, I remember a long time ago, Mark Shepard was doing a presentation. He said, you're a human. You have a great big liver. You're supposed to eat meat. You're not a bird. If you were supposed to eat grains, you would have a crop and you don't have one, but it is what people rely on. And in a lot of the world, Making a transition out of that so we're in a vegetable and meat and nut world and away from starchy carbohydrate crops is a long cycle, even if everybody got on board and wanted to do it, it ain't going to happen. So when these nations, uh, especially major production nations like China, like India, et cetera, uh, people have decided, hey, for it's in our own best interest not to freaking do this. Um, I got ahead there. Uh, not to, do, why won't this let me do what I want to do, guys? Anyway, I wanted to read it to you. Um, but you can see I've got it highlighted there on the screen. And what India just did is a partial ban on wheat exports. And I think there's more going on here. So there's a double problem being made of this. One is the United States 
is in a drought right now, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to hit us kind of at the next harvest cycle. And we already had not a great cycle. We already have food not appearing on the shelves for a variety of reasons, some just because of shortage, and we continue to export. And all these other nations that are shitting a brick, they're like, well, if if they're stupid and they're willing to export their grains, we'll buy them because they store long term. This is why they become the food stuff of the modern slave society known as tax farm, right? So your tax farm is full of tax slaves and you feed them gruel because it's cheap. Why do you, let, let's, I want you to think about this for a second. Why do you guys that know you really should feed your dogs like a raw meat whole foods diet? So like not just, you know, cut pieces of chicken or like whole chickens, guts, innards. Like why don't you just feed your dog what a dog is supposed to eat? Right. And, and there's two reasons we do it. One, a big ass bag of dog food stores a long time without going bad. So shelf stability and feeding them, you know, especially if you have a couple, three, four big dogs, the way they really should be fed is what? It's expensive. That's one thing when it's a dog. It's another thing when it's a population of 300 million or a billion five or something like that. But that's that's what governments do. And they're like, if the United States government or is, is dumb enough to export their people's food, we'll buy it. Because everybody knows this is coming. The other side of this, though, is it is amazing to me the zeal with which the Western world is attempting to ignite a kinetic war with Russia, which is really stupid. And so if you read this story, again, I have a link to it in the show notes, They mention how they had expected, the, the world geniuses had expected that, you know, other nations and specifically India would be able to help make up the shortfall coming out of Ukraine. The other thing they're saying now is, hey, we got to open the seaports in Ukraine to get the grain that still is being grown in Ukraine out of Ukraine. We can't figure out how to get it out. Now, I think it's interesting that we can figure out how to get Bono and Jill Biden and the edge, whoever the hell that is. I, I don't know what the edge is, but apparently the edge was there too. Some somebody, something that's famous. Um, we can get we can get uh, congressional clowns into Ukraine, but we can't figure out how to get wheat and barley out of Ukraine. That, that, that doesn't ring true for me. But we're making like we got to have this big NATO shipping blockade come in and and cordon off the ports that are left for Ukraine on the Black Sea. You know, Black Sea. Wartime, Russia, somebody needs to read a freaking history book. This does not end well if we, we go there. So we've got this jangling of bells for war. We've got an absolute shortage already in the United States. We continue to export our soy, our wheat, our corn, our barley, etc. And I understand many of in rice, I understand many of you don't eat it. I don't either. But it is what a lot of people in our country base their entire diet on, even if they're eating garbage, like corns in everything, including our fuel. And then we have on top of this, oh, the Edge's U2's guitar. It shows what I know. I, that's interesting there. Um, it's it, it really is. You, you have to ask yourself, what are these people doing if it's not intentional? And I think that it is intentional. And this is what I got to show you next for those that are on the video stream. This is 
a map of the current drought conditions in the United States, and it looks pretty scary. My, my concern is, based on my own observations, this is not a claim of knowledge. This is a, this is how I feel, right? And I try to be very clear when I'm giving you a fact versus how I feel. You guys, a lot of you know where I live, but I live in north central Texas around Dallas, Fort Worth. And if you look in that map, you'll see kind of a really dark red there in the, in the state of Texas, and it kind of transforms over into uh, a darker yellow and a lighter yellow. And it's hard to tell exactly where I am, but I would be either in just somewhat dry or uh, mild drought, according to this map. Yeah, um, let me just tell you, I've been on this property nine years. I have been in Texas since 1993 with a brief trip out. Um, but even when I wasn't here, I was still here a lot. That's a long time to live in this part of Texas. I have never seen anything like this in my life at this point in the year. We have had a couple rains in the past month that looked like, well, that was a good rain. It's not meant anything. I'm sure it helped fill up the water dams, which is one of the ways you look and judge a drought. But what it didn't do was fix the problem with the absolute bone-dry soil. We haven't had significant rainfall. And when I say significant, in our springs, we usually get some storms where the rains come in and you get two, three, four inches of rain in a single storm or over a couple days. And you get some of that pounding rain, but you get that long duration soak into the ground rain. We've not had that this year. We really didn't have much rain like in November, December, even October last year. This is, this is again, it is something that I've seen dry years and I've seen wet years. Now, usually what we have is the total rainfall for the perennium looks pretty good. But since we don't get any rain at all from like late May until mid-September, or maybe one rain event in there, it's still really harsh. It's still really bad, unless you have really deep soils, which I do not, admittedly. But we usually get a really good charge up of the soils through the spring, and it takes a while for the soil to dry out to the point where it becomes something that we call um, hydrophobic. And that means that the soil gets so dry, when you put water on it, It doesn't go in. It literally kind of think about like you spill talca powder in the bathroom and then you flick water on it with your fingers. You get kind of a pasty top, but underneath it's still dry. That's how the ground is right now. So we've gotten, you know, half inch rain events and that's a significant rain event. That usually would be, you know, good for a few weeks. You don't have to water nothing. You get a half inch of rain overnight. You go out in the morning. Go to, go to a spot where there's some bare dirt, take your foot, scrape it across the surface, and an eighth to a quarter of an inch down, the soil is dry. So I'm not saying that on this map here, they're directly lying. I don't think it may be reflective of the reality on the ground. And this ties back into our talk about the food supply, because I think a whole lot of this white stuff up here where there's no drought, okay, You know, I'm talking like eastern Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, up into Missouri and Illinois and Indiana, 
and, and, and all these Midwest countries to grow the shit out of our food where they say there's no drought or there's some mild drought in the Dakotas, et cetera. <clears throat> I think if they're having the same type of pattern, we even have a bigger problem. And Eddie says rain is coming next week through the end of May. But see, Eddie, this is what I'm getting at here. Again, this is just what I'm observing. If you have a cumulative rainfall across time, it can look like it's not that bad of a drought by the total rain volume. But if you spread it out in small events long enough, the cumulative does not reflect the reality of what goes in the soil. What I feel like is happening, and there's been some real discussion of this at you know the high scientific level, the part where they still actually talk about science, there is a a thing called the dry line. It's a very common phenomenon. You have dry and moist, and when the two come together, that's where we get our big springs, thunderstorms, and our swirling clouds of death and things like that. And there's not like, here's where the dry line is. This does move depending on weather patterns and you know, m- macro cycles like El Nino and La Nina. But over time, the average location of the central dry line of the United States has been migrating to the east. This is climate change. I, I don't personally think that uh, you, the air you exhale has a damn thing to do with it. This is a climate cycle. This is just the earth changes at times. And I don't think we're anywhere near prepared for it. And when I moved to Texas all those years back, the primary place those big storms popped up in Texas anyway was out near Abilene. That's a hell of a long way to the west, which is behind me as I sit here. Um And then for a few years, not that long ago, that dry line had decided it wanted to live on top of Jack Spearco's house. And it seemed like for a while we had um, highly nasty duck and cover drills going on a couple times a week in this time of year because tornadoes were being spawned all around us. Instead of having these storms pop up out in Ameline and kind of having them, what happens when those storms pop up? They're super intense and they're isolated, and they can take all the energy they want from the atmosphere, and that's where you get your big supercells, your giant hail, your tornadoes. As they move along, they'll often form a squall line, and you can get spin-up tornadoes. There's still some nasty ones. But usually what happens, once those storms have to share the energy, um, they uh, they kind of stop being so severe. So we went from having the severe stuff to our west to having it on top of our heads to having it to our east. The problem is then you don't get the rain. And I I just see this as a bigger problem than most people are willing to, I think, admit right now, and certainly our government. Anarchy, thank you for the $6.66 super chat. If there's any symbolism symbolism in there, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, He says, refuse and resist the control of the globalist. Hail ourselves. All right, man. I think there either was some significance to the dollar amount, but I'll take it. I don't hate money. If you guys want to super chat me, please do so. And I will, if I miss you, Hey, say, Hey, stupid, you missed me. And I'll try to scroll back up. I'll try to feature anybody that does that. And if you have a message, go with it, put it out there. But yeah, now I want to move on though. No, we don't want to talk about monkeypox yet. Let's, uh, let's pull that out of there. I want to tell you what happened down in El Salvador. Because God knows the mainstream media is not going to talk about it. 
Now, I want to be clear about this, too. I don't want to misrepresent it. I think there's a lot of people in the crypto and Bitcoin space. They want to present everything is all the way bullish all the time, and, and crypto and Bitcoin always win. The meeting that happened in El Salvador was set up, and the invitations were sent to these smaller nations over a year ago before El Salvador adopted Bitcoin, before they had said anything about adopting Bitcoin. So people have made it like this meeting was just about Bitcoin and Lightning. It wasn't. But Bukele, who is El Salvador's president, had set this up prior to, and all these folks were coming to El Salvador to have basically their version of like a G20, like all the small nations that nobody gives a shit about until they do something they don't like, and then all of a sudden the central bankers from the big countries like the United States and the U.K. are like, well, we're very concerned. In other words, all the nations that we screw over all the time by putting them into our debt system through the IMF and making them beholden to us, well, Bukele is trying, I think, to really change that for these smaller nations and help them reassert their sovereignty. So he already set this up. But since that was set up and since the invitations were received and accepted, we all know what happened in El Salvador. Bitcoin became legal tender. And I heard this on a radio show, and I don't know if anybody else is saying this, but if you've heard this anywhere else, just throw it away as garbage like most from the MC, MSM is. I heard a radio uh, station host say, well, El Salvador's in trouble right now because they backed their money with Bitcoin and the price is down, and now they're in trouble. They're not in trouble. Nothing has happened at all. Bukele bought like another 500 coins in the debt. But anyway, this is all going on. Bitcoin Beach is a thing down there. They have all these people that are doing business in Lightning. And so these central bankers went to Elzantle, went to Bitcoin Beach, and like ambassadors, I guess you'd call, from the Bitcoin Beach movement, uh, Bukele made sure they were there. And these central bankers were hand-walked through. Here's how you download a Bitcoin wallet. Here's how you use Lightning. Let me. And they were on their phones, literally, like, so poor people, you want to call them that, like certainly less rich people, We're sending small amounts of lightning to central bankers and teaching them how to use lightning. And after a couple of days of that, everybody went to the beach, and then this happened. I'll let it play twice, if you will. So that is a whole crap ton of central bankers... Now, again, these are not the United Kingdom. This is not the European Central Bank. This is not freaking, you know, our central bankers. This is central bankers from small nations, but over 40 of them. Sitting on a beach in, in El Salvador and sh- screaming aloud Bitcoin. And if you, if you do more research on this, and I've got some links for you to check out, but you can see pictures of these people. You can see pictures of these people and you can see their face when that green check comes, right? Like, oh, I get it now. This is gradually then suddenly. It's really starting to happen. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a bit, but I just wanted to, I wanted to let you know that because none of the freaking mainstream media, and this is a big thing. You have 40 nations learning about an, a, a revolutionary new technology that was supposedly a nothing burger for the last 10 years, and everybody's, it's just a gamble, it's a Ponzi, whatever. This is earth-shattering, and they're not going to talk about it. 
Uh, Donnie W., thanks for the $10 super chat. He says, hey, Jack, I have a fresh comfrey and the herbalism book, the Herbal Medicine Maker's Handbook. What method of extraction would make for easy mosquito bite remedy? You want a salve, bud, and uh, the book will tell you how to do that. Maybe I'll talk about salves to the end. I got you marked for that, but I can't can't derail even with a super chat right now. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about is the monkeypox. Yes, the monkeypox. Um I'm going to say some things right now that some people will take as being homophobic or something like that. All I'm telling you is, is what's happening. So United Kingdom health experts came out and warned gay and bisexual men specifically to be concerned about monkeypox and their interactions with other gay males. Um, this is a quote. This is not me. This is a quote from the article. We are particularly urging men who are gay and bisexual to be aware of any unusual rashes or lesions and to uh, contact uh, sexual health service without delay if they happen to experience them. And I think the bigger thing here, let me make sure that is the last slide. I think it is. Yeah. So the last slide on this. It just, I, I just put this one in mainly to, it, it also brings up the issue of, of kind of clusters around, uh, clusters of male homosexual activity. Uh, but this one notes that, and it doesn't do it with an agenda. It just happens to note, um, that all of the people, and I think this was Portugal, 15 cases all were male. They were all male. Why is this important? Well, because, Women don't engage in gay male sex because they're not, they're not men, no matter what anybody tells you. And this whole men and women are the same or we can be fluid. We all know that's nonsensical woke bullshit. And I would all say about men is we're compared to women, we're disgusting. So if you get guys that are both in that mindset, they're going to be far more promiscuous than females. I'm not, I'm not making this about anybody's individual choice. I could care less. You know, I actually couldn't care less who the hell you choose to be involved with. I'm for freedom for everybody, including people that do things I would never do, as long as they're not hurting anybody. But that's what's going on here. So, first of all, the number of cases of monkeypox globally or even coming out of Africa and hitting people in other countries are no higher right now than typical. We're just focusing on it to sound the scare alarm again. I also am going to tell you something that I think, I think that they know this while they do this. You can't fake a freaking pox pandemic like you can fake a COVID pandemic. And the reason you can't is because people know when they have the pox, right? If you were a kid and you're, when you were a kid, you're, if you're old enough that when you were a kid there was no chicken pox vaccine, Odds are you had chicken pox. There's no telling somebody, no, I don't have chicken pox. There's no walking around with a mask because you might have the pox on your ass and not know it or whatever. None of this works. None of this works for the purpose of spreading pandemic fear long term. It's an interesting thing. Now, I want to also talk to you guys about, I've seen a lot of buzz about the monkey pox vaccine, right? And you know what the monkey pox vaccine is? 
was a smallpox vaccine. This is an interesting thing about that. This is just a side note here. So I was in the United States military. They sent me to foreign countries. Guess what I got? Smallpox vaccine. I'm young to have been vaccinated. But if you served in the United States military in the last ever, you probably got the smallpox vaccine too. So you're already vaccinated. Now, I'm sure you're going to need a booster if they were to push this. But this doesn't really make sense. This is a PSYOP, like most things that these people come up with. This is a PSYOP. And you have to ask yourself, what's the purpose of the PSYOP? It is to move the conversation about vaccines forward without trying to you know, resurrect the corpse of COVID to do it alone. Because there's another thing that's starting to happen right now. I'm starting to see signs, and it's mostly in paid chills on social media that are making claims with nothing to back it up. Things like, well, polio's making a comeback because of the unvaccinated, you know, anti-vax people who aren't vaccinating their children. Now, I didn't put any material for you together on this, but if you go research it, you can trust me or you can go research it yourself. I always say that. Um, all of the cases that are popping up in like the third world of polio turn out to be from vaccines. Yeah, they're vaccine-caused polio cases. So we need a new vaccine to replace the new version of the old vaccine so that we can keep vaccinating people for polio in the third world, but the only polio that's actually popping up there is the polio that our new version of the old vaccine is causing. Can you follow all that? If you can, good job. Good job. You haven't had your mind dumbed down uh, at all, if you can follow that weird-ass trail there. But that's actually what they're saying in the real world. So I think you're about to see a whole push of how dangerous our world is right now because of you evil anti-vaxxers. And many of us that are called anti-vaxxers, of course, we're not. I've been vaccinated against smallpox and, and just about every other thing that, you, that people have been vaccinated for in the last 40 years, including things that people weren't. At my age, the only reason I've ever been vaccinated against smallpox is to make me deployable by the United States military. It's a, it, it, I think this is a goal to get those vaccine passports onto your devices, all of you holdouts, because they know this and they know that a huge majority of the people who did not get the clot shot are not anti-vax. They can't say it. They can't say it, but they know it. They know that when a person's like, well, yeah, I got this vaccine, I got that vaccine, I got this vaccine, I got this booster when I was this age, and uh, yeah, these vaccines are generally, they do work, so I'm okay with it. And they use this to push the clot shot because you hear people saying, well, I believe vaccines work. That's retarded. That's like saying, I believe people work hard. Which people? Who? Some people are lazy as shit. Some people work really hard. Some people work hard because they have to, but they're actually lazy as shit. Like, you can't just make everything the same in a world like this. So I think what they're about to do, and there's, and, and somebody's bringing this up here, so I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, wasn't there also a surge of HIV AIDS because of false positives caused by the vax? Yes, there's also a huge movement toward an HIV vaccine. 
and a huge push from the elites, to, especially like the royal family and all saying, like, but basically, if you don't go get an HIV test a couple times a year, you're just not a good person concerned about your fellow man because you could be carrying this horrible disease and not know it. I think you're about to see all the vaccines pushed harder than they have in a long time because I think they believe that they can sweep a lot of people into the pool if they push the other stuff that people are not so against. And even if you already have them, well, you you need a thing from your doctor that says you do so you can have a little device. And even if they let go, and I'm not saying they are, but even if they let go of the COVID's nonsense, does it really matter why you're being tracked? Or is it more important that you're being tracked? I think that's coming. And I think the other thing coming is the mileage tax, which, which causes the same thing to occur, at least whenever you're in a vehicle. All right. So I think there's just a big move toward that right now. Now, let's talk about some good news though. How about Twitter? How about Elon Musk and Jack Dorsey? Let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. I want to show you something here. Let me pull the slide back up. This just happened. Um, no, I'm not bragging or anything here. Um, I, I just, I'm showing you this because of what Jack Dorsey's bio says now. Now, I am not a huge fan of Dorsey as a man, but the dude has influence. What he's doing with Square Matters, and he still has some influence with Twitter, and he definitely has kind of a, I think a bromance with Elon Musk. Well, if you, what does it say for those of you looking at, at the, the video version? What is, what is the entirety of Dorsey's bio now? Hashtag Bitcoin, full stop. There was a tremendous amount of discussion. Now, like I said, this video is being recirculated, pretended to be live to sucker people into an Ether and Bitcoin swap scam. Don't do that. This video is actually like nine or ten months ago. But I'd really forgotten all about it, and the scam people got me to at least look at it and listen to it, and I realized that this whole kind of march with Elon taking over Twitter goes way back before he started really talking about it and trolling people on Twitter and putting up polls and stuff. And the conclusion, or I should say the agreement, that Dorsey and Musk had was that Twitter could be completely remonetized. And basically advertisers put at the bottom of the heap or maybe even out the door through the integration of crypto and specifically Bitcoin Lightning. And I personally think that's what's coming. And I think that every time Elon throws the Doge thing out there, it's, it's an intelligence test. And if you believe it, you fail, I really wish he'd stop doing it. He's like, well, you know, it is kind of a joke, right? But I like irony and I like memes and I like dogs. And he also said that, uh, when it comes to Occam's razor, he has like an alternate theory that the most absurd thing often wins. And since Doge is the most absurd, like this is just dumbness. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about lightning toward the end. So I'm going to let that go. And I'm just going to say it is going to take over the payment systems of the world because anybody can build on it. And these people are not stupid and they know. And it's an interesting thing to look at. Let's move along from there. 
Let's talk about something your president's doing, and let's talk about what nobody's saying. So Tucker Carlson actually covered this legitimately last night, even though he's probably part of the PSYOP, whether he knows it or not. Biden is giving control of public health to the World Health Organization with the pandemic treaty. Now, of course, all the fact molester sites say that's not true. This is just a help. Yeah, okay. And they also point out that there's a clause in there that any nation that basically decides to follow the, the, the who's guidance on this has to agree to it at the time that they agree to it. It's like, we'll give you this power, but you only have the power when we say you have the power, and we can give it or take it at any time. But one thing Biden's administration, I don't think Brandon had a damn thing to do with this directly, did. They went and actually changed that language and took it out. So the very thing the fact molesters, thats what I don't call them fact checkers because they don't check facts. The fact molesters are pointing to is why it's not true, actually was removed at the behest of the Biden administration. The Biden administration has made this pig worse. They made it into not a pig with lipstick. They made it to a pig with monkeypox. Monkeypox having pig. And you got to ask yourself why, if you're a little bit smarter than the average person, right? Why? Well, maybe because we don't have to do it. See, there's a lot of countries out there that their process for signing onto a treaty is very administrative, meaning that the bureaucrats and the president, prime minister, whatever, the cabinet can just decide, oh, yeah, we're doing this. Some have kind of a thing where, like, yeah, their legislature gets to say so, but it's really easy to ram it through. The United States doesn't work this way. The, 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 the president of the United States can say, yeah, we're signing on to this, and it, it's, it's virtue signaling. It means absolutely nothing under U.S. law. And this has been upheld over and over again whenever any president's done it. Unless you get two-thirds of the Senate to ratify a treaty, the, the, the paper you used to wipe your ass this morning means more than the president's signature on it. Now, he can go along with it if something happens while he's still here, and he can do what he can to exert administrative will under the auspices of, well, we agreed to this, I have to. It won't work. It's political suicide, not that Brandon cares, because all he does is commit political suicide. It's certainly bad, but I'll tell you the larger, the larger aspect of this to me is we're doing it so that other countries get screwed. If you can invoke buy-in from the United States, you can get all these pissant countries with pissant dictators to go along with you because everybody follows what America does, and then we don't have to do it. Again, it's what I said in the intro. It's kind of like the U.K. Yeah, this European Union is a great thing. Oh, the euro. Yeah, yeah, euro. Let's do euro. Uh, let's make sure we have an exit clause. Um in there, if we decide we change our mind about being part of the EU and that, uh, that euro that we were so fond of, yeah, we're not using that. We're going to stick to the pound. So it's real easy for a country to be a cheerleader for something that's bad for other countries under the auspice of, well, we're in it too, but we're really not. And I think that's actually what's going on here because as far as I'm con- concerned, Biden can take any treaty that he signs without the Senate and he can shove it up his old ass. It, it doesn't mean anything. It does show what they want, though. 
And if you go read the language of this thing, or just go listen to Tucker, because he's not lying to you about the language in it, it literally says that the, the who can invoke basically emergency powers, right, whenever they want, whenever they declare that there's a health emergency that affects the world or a piece of the world. In other words, yeah, this is really bad in India, so we're going to exert our force in India, right? Or this is global, we'll exert on all members of the treaty alliance. And it gives power and control to the group that's a laughing stock that has, has made every error possible and has apologized to, on behalf of China and defended their absolute corruption and probably creation of this damn COVIDs thing in the first place and praised the lockdowns that these assholes are doing over there right now where they're literally locking people in their homes. And I don't just mean like, you're not allowed to come out. I mean like welding doors shut in shit, beating people's animals to death. That's who he's making this deal with. And Canada's one of them, you bet. You want a dictator, it ain't Putin, it's Trudeau. I know I'm not supposed to say that, but like I said, I was going to offend everybody today. On that note, it's time to offend some more people. So I want to share with you right now, I hope I get the right tab, and hopefully this will work. I'm going to have to mute my mic when I do it. And this is a woman, and I'll, I'll, like, I'll explain it better for people that are on the audio, but she's being asked by a journalist named Patrick Lancaster, who's been embedded in these hot zone wars in the Ukraine and Russia area, uh, and in some of the Balkans as well for the last eight years under active fire, why she's not evacuating right now. The whole video is like 20 minutes long. I'm just going to play... 30, 40 seconds of it for you. And if you're a person who, when you're doing the live feeds, you're kind of like multitasking and mostly listening, this would be a good time to actually look at it because you're going to have to read uh, the closed caption. So it's so it's kind of a heartbreaking thing, especially if you watch this whole thing. Those of you that didn't watch it and maybe didn't see the closed captions there or are listening to the audio, when he asks, why don't you evacuate? She's like, to where? Nobody cares about us. And by the way, we've already planted a vegetable garden. And I think I'll just let, I'll leave it in there for those of you on the audio, right? Uh, but that's what she said. We already planted a vegetable garden and we're waiting for something better to come. Jeff Lawton once said, all of the world's problems can be solved in a garden. Here are these people in the middle. And if you watch the whole video, this is as bad as it gets. Houses blown up, holes and things, cars upside down, burned out. This is the actual war zone, not Kiev where Bono and Biden's wife are hanging out and the edge and whoever the hell else. But I think Pelosi went there too, right? They don't go to active war zones. This is an active war zone. There, if you watch the whole thing, there's literally like gunshots and incoming in the background while this guy's walking around talking to civilians or just going on with their life. The one thing that this woman knew that she could do for her family was see to food security. 
and tomorrow morning a mortar might land on her garden. My guess is she'll replant it. And I want you to understand how much you are not getting um you're not getting the truth. You're just not getting the truth about what's going on in Ukraine. This guy Patrick Lancaster um I've been asked, do you trust everything he's saying? I trust nothing completely that anybody's saying except maybe my wife. A journalist who's been embedded with uh, East, uh, West Ukraine uh, and Russian troops for eight years is going to be somewhat biased toward the side he spends his, his days and nights with. I accept that. But I've also, because I do have some sources now, I fact-checked what you're about to hear. And I've either gotten probably or definitely, and I've gotten zero, that's not what happened from any of my informed sources on what you're about to hear. Supposedly, the United States uh, government and, and, and well, not supposedly, what's been going on is the, the United States government and the Kiev government have been telling this story. And I, this is the thing, like, I got to be careful with this because this is what I said was going to happen. I said this would happen. I said it on social media. I said it on the air. I said that the Battle of Maripol was over, and these these guys, the Azov Battalion guys that were holed up in this plant, were just like Putin said, we're not going in. We're shutting the whole area down. We're cordoning it off. There's no reason to go into a, a, a meat grinder. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything, and they can't attack us from there. All they can do is hole up. And they're going to run out of food and supplies, and they're going to start uh, surrendering. And I said they would create a narrative of either fighting to the last man or the brave heroes or something like that. But the only result from this was going to be a surrender. And so when I get something that this is why I went into my network to confirm or find any denial of it from anybody that I would trust the denial from, and I couldn't because since I expected it, I've taught you about this. You've got to be really careful. But this is what. Patrick's saying about it, and I have no reason to doubt the man. Here you go. Over 1,700 Azov Ukrainian uh, military oh. members have been evacuated from the Azov-style plant in Mariupol with the assistance of Kiev, is what Kiev is telling the world, but it's a lie. I'm Patrick Lancaster. Right now, we're in Mariupol at the place where the Azov and Ukrainian military members have been surrendering in mass. Let's talk about the facts. Three days ago, there was well over 2,000 Azov and Ukrainian soldiers in the last stand, last position of the Ukrainian military in Mariupol, the Azov-style plant, which is right behind me. Three days ago, there was a temporary ceasefire called to allow the Azov Ukrainian military to surrender. Let's talk about what the word is, surrender. To stop resisting an enemy and submit to their authority. And that is what, to at this point, over 1,700 Azov uh, battalion members and Ukrainian military members have done. They have walked out of this plant and surrendered, submitted to the authority of the Donetsk People's Republic and Russian forces. Yes, there was a small amount that were injured, 
And you, one could say, can a person that is totally incapacitated surrender? Or maybe those handfuls of uh, injured uh, Azov Battalion Ukrainian military that were totally incapacitated injured, one could say they might have been evacuated by the Donetsk People's Republic and Russian forces, but certainly not the Kiev Ukrainian uh, authorities. There's none of those here, and they haven't been here in a long time. So the fact that Kiev keeps trying to push the fact that they've done all this to help the Azov and Ukrainian military evacuate the Azov-style plant here in Mariupol is a total lie and misinformation created to uh, just mislead the world. All right, there's like another two minutes of the video, but it's, uh, you can tell he's exasperated. And you don't have to like what he's saying. You don't have to think it's a good thing. What you, what you should demand of journalists, even if they're people you despise, what you should demand of them, if they're going to call themselves journalists, is the truth, at least from where they are. Now, this man is on the ground right there and has been for days at this point. If he tells you, I don't see any Ukrainian troops here, he's probably telling you the truth. And and, and my back channel stuff says there ain't been, for like he said, for a long time. Um, these guys have been holed up in this plant for weeks now. And like I said, when it happened, I said the battle of Mariupol is over. It's done. There's no, there's nothing else that comes from this other than it's over. And uh, if you if you can see for yourself that you're being lied to, then the source that lied to you should not be trusted. That's all I'm saying. Um, there's a lot, I've been told repeatedly in emails and people actually have ways to contact me through text or telegram or shit that are mad at me uh, that I'm rooting for Russia. I'm rooting for nobody except people like that woman. Now, I've watched enough of Patrick's stuff to tell you that the average civilian is not rooting for Ukraine or Russia. They're rooting for an end to the war. As Sun Tzu said, no nation has ever benefited from a prolonged war. These people just want the war to end. They want to grow their vegetables. They want to go back to their lives. They know that regardless of who wins the territory they're in, their life's not going to change very much. They're more in touch with reality than most of the people in this country putting little flags in their profile and shit like that. Okay? They understand that it's all bullshit. That it's just which, which, which thug's going to be in power. That's who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the damn thing to be over because I don't want any more of those people to suffer any more than they already are. And I'm telling you right now who's prolonging the suffering is us writing an open-ended blank check with no oversight to their government. And that's what's going on. I guess they don't like me. they got an F-35 scrambled over my house again. Um, let's move on from there. But I, I want to say, well, actually, I want to let me pull back a second. I want to say two things. I, I thought of one while I was watching that. Uh, but number one, I want you to absolutely 100% subscribe to Patrick Lancaster's YouTube channel. I threw him like 15 bucks yesterday because I appreciate that he's doing a job that our journalists will not do. The other thing is back to the monkeypox, and I was talking about uh, 
how, how there are clusters around uh, homosexual activity. For instance, in Portugal, there, I read another article, I couldn't find it this morning, the 16 cases, 15 admitted to being engaged in active uh, gay activity. So the woke crowd is already pushing back with, it's disinformation, monkeypox isn't a gay disease. I don't think it's a gay disease as in the only gay people get it. It just doesn't spread easily. And if you're doing the thing that those people are doing with somebody, that would qualify as prolonged close contact. So, yes, that's being pushed back on. Uh, no. And it's, it's typical, right? It's typical when they push back on a thing, they never push back on what's actually being said. They change the narrative and then push back and they use basically, you know, a false narrative pushback, a, a form of a uh, uh, fallacy. So now I want to talk to you a little bit about UFOs. I said I would offend everybody today. I know I have a big they're out there uh, component into the TSP audience, um, what have you. Generally, this this world that we're in of preparedness and freedom and liberty, there's at least a contingent of the real aliens are there, and we have their shit from Roswell or whatever, um, et cetera. Um, yeah. I, I'm getting distracted by some arguing in the chat. I don't want to take a side in it, but just I'm going to say that somebody's wrong and their name starts with an A. Anyway, um, this whole shit with the UFOs. On the record, do I believe there are life forms out there other than human beings, and some of them are probably intelligent and more advanced than we are? Absolutely 100% I do. I do. Uh, I, I completely uh, believe that's the case, and I believe it because math. I believe because there are more stars in our galaxy than grains of sand on a beach, and there's more galaxies in our universe than there are stars, the odds that there are none are pretty low. I also understand the basic physics of traveling through space, and even if you had a ship like the 1960s Star Trek ship that could travel at warp factor six, at even within our galaxy, the speeds are tirelessly slow and you, the the technology necessary for that type of travel would have to be some sort of folding of space it wouldn't be a velocity it would literally be some sort of artificial wormhole or something that was somehow survivable when you went through it without crushing you um, I'm not saying it's impossible I'm saying it would be incredibly incredibly freaking advanced technology and that if you had that advanced technology And you came to Earth, you probably wouldn't be cutting ears off of cows. And you probably wouldn't be flying around in a thing with a blinking light on it if you didn't want people to see. And if you wanted people to see, you'd probably want to have a conversation with them. I don't think we have any freaking aliens talking to us uh, or involved with us or hanging out in our atmosphere. I could be wrong. But there is no there is no actual evidence of this, and I mentioned Occam's razor. So, using Occam's razor, which is the simplest solution to a question or problem, is probably the right one. What's more likely? We have interstellar aliens that are beaming up Bob and rectally probing him for some reason we don't know, and taking ears off his cows, and uh, we crashed. They crashed in Roswell, and the United States has had alien technology for all this time. And yet, it really isn't that impressive what we've done if you look at it in the context of, you know, human timelines of technology really at all. Uh, and, and that they 
they fly their little ships around U.S. military things and play with our fighters and whatever else they, they come up with that these, these things are doing. And that our government's known about it since 40s or maybe earlier. And just now, because of the kindness of their hearts, uh, we're having congressional hearings on it, and they're admitting that they're really out there and they don't know what they are. And when they tell you, well, it's not ours and it's not China's and it's not Russia's, you can trust the people who lied for you to 70, for 70 years about the alien technology, but now we know there's something there. Is that likely... Or, I like that, Tinder came from, 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 from alien technology. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, or, is it more likely that the same people who always use scare tactics are distracting you with a, a, a cat toy laser dot for you to chase around and using yet another fear tactic? And the things that have been seen and recorded are a combination of technology we actually have and freaking holograms. To me, that's the most simple answer. If we, but they're on radar. So can we make technology that can fool radar or other tracking technologies we use? If we can make something that's stealth, why can't we make something that's fake image? And if, dear friends, you, you were making technology like this so that maybe if there was a war, And you had like a Chinese, you know, aircraft carrier, you could make them think like 40 inbounds were coming and distract them from the actual attack. If you had tech that you thought you could do that with and you wanted to put it to a test and you wanted to see if the most advanced technology in the world today could be fooled by it, might not you take your, your, your dark program and test it on your public-facing program, your United States Navy, Air Force, etc. In other words, might the pilot that has the picture actually be telling you 100% the truth and some dark space of the United States government's actually behind this holograph they're chasing or whatever? Huh? Which one of the... I'm not even saying I'm right. I'm just saying if you use Occam's razor and you follow the pattern of how our government behaves... Whenever they start clamoring over here, put something over here, squirrel, right, for them to be distracted by. And if it's a scary squirrel, it's even better. Which one's more likely? And then why would they all of the sudden, in the middle of all this other shit, go, hey, we're being honest now. We really have been lying the whole time, and we don't know what any of this stuff is. We don't know what it is. Okay? We don't know what it is. But we know it's not us. And we know it's not China, and we know it's not Russia, and it's not any other countries. We know it's not theirs. We know it's not ours. But we don't know what it is. The level of bullshit that I smell in that story is beyond belief. I would expect just basic logic of an alien species of advanced intelligence and technology came here to this planet, if they had the technology to get here, they would have the technology to take complete control of everything in almost instantaneously. All these sci-fi movies, the aliens come and we fight back, man. It's all fun. It's all amusing. It's all also complete nonsense if that actually existed. The, the technology that would exist for the travel 
would be so far beyond anything we can even think of that all of the other technology would be, well, to paraphrase, so advanced it would look like magic to us. And we'd have no chance. So we'd either have a malevolent species that wanted our planet and they would just eviscerate us and get rid of us and we'd be gone. Or they'd be like, you know what, we should talk to these these uh, other beings and learn from them and, oh my God, we found another civilization. And then, oh, what about like a prime directive thing from Star Trek? Jack, aren't you a Trekkie? Yeah, I like Star Trek. Um, what you would do then is remain unseen. You wouldn't be flying around with a blinking light. Really? Look at the aliens with the blinking light. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I want to believe there are aliens visiting the planet Earth. I have a guilty pleasure in watching things like ancient aliens. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really cool. I think it's fun to believe, and I think it's a possibility. But I think the probability is far lower than the probability that your government once again is fucking with you. And if you don't think that, then what have you been paying attention to for the last ever? Almost everything the government ever tells you is a lie. You know what I hear them talking about now? Well, there was Project Blue Book, Project Blue Book, Project, Project Blue Book was like four dudes with one desk. And it was also a psyop that was used to get buy-in from the public on the need for rockets and missiles and nuclear fucking weapons. Like, please see the pattern, guys. I mean, good Lord, this is the same stuff over and over and over again. And I know many of the true believers now are angry with me. I'm sorry. It is what it is, guys. There is no evidence of anything. There's interesting phenomenon. And I don't think you should worry about it. I think you should pay more attention to something like this. It's a new thing. It's called the Bolt Card. The Bolt Card. And, uh, okay. I'm not going to go with any of the crazy conspiracy theories. You guys are not going to bait me into it. So the Bolt Card is this little card, and you, you, you put Bitcoin in the form of lightning on it, and you go to a merchant that wants to sell stuff, and they have an open app that they can accept uh, payments on, and they put a bill in, and you're like, yeah, that's how much this thing is. You go beep, and you pay for it with Bitcoin. It takes like a second. You don't even need a phone. You don't even need an app. The card is a Bitcoin lightning payment system. It was a really cool video, except the guy was really quiet, and I couldn't understand him, so I couldn't make it work here. And so I have a link to this article about it, and I have a link to the video where you can crank your volume and, and listen to this dude do it. I think this is primarily in the U.K. right now. And I don't even care. I don't even care about the bolt card. Why not? Well, because it's one of many to come. I think it's interesting, but it doesn't matter. It's not a perfect solution. I went and looked at it, thought maybe I'd get one of these things, and decided I didn't really need or want one. No. The point is what I've been telling you. When you have a cross-borders global payments system that anybody can build on, they will. You know, they say if you build it, they will come. If they can build it, they will. And it's, it's, it's a race to zero fees. And if you're not going to get in the game of a race to zero fees, if your business model in finance is based on charging people two to three percent, 
to move money around and move money in the form of liabilities. And your competitors are young, aggressive, using the latest technology, and they're going to embrace an open network rather than a closed one that anybody can build on, that people in garages and people from MIT are working on simultaneously, and you get the benefit of it, you're going to lose. Well, the people that we don't like, the people we despise behind the big central banks and the oligarchs, etc., they're a lot of things. They're not big on losing. And if you have something that you can't get rid of, Because I had, I saw an article somebody posted the other day and they were like, you know, there's all this wonderful crypto things that you could handle cross-border payments if regulators would see things differently and they need to change some regular, and it was all FUD from the shit coiners. Like, we can take our shit coin and make payments to, you know, some, to Bekazakistan or something like that and then save people if only that, it already exists, it's called lightning and there's nothing they can do to prevent it. You don't have to run a node. All you have to do is download a little piece of software and start using it now, right now. And it's, it is unstoppable. And it's, I, I saw a thing and I like pirate for privacy, but I saw they put out a meme today and it was like all these hoops that you have to do to make your Bitcoin transaction private. And a lot of stuff they were invoking like taproot, you don't have to know it's there for it to, it is there. It exists. It's already being used. It's incredibly incredibly private already, and it's fast, and it's for the small-scale transactions. And that's why you saw 40-plus central bankers, yes, from small, second-tier countries, but in one day after being shown it, screaming Bitcoin on a beach. It doesn't mean we won. It doesn't mean it's over. It's not 100% bullish all the time. right? There's a lot of challenges left. But what it shows you is the, the momentum, the direction. And I, I want to explain this one more time, guys. For the first time ever, people who really want liberty and freedom in all ways have a weapon of asymmetric warfare. That's what Bitcoin, especially when you tie a global open network payment system to it as lightning, is. It is an asymmetric weapon in that if I have an AK-47 before anybody has a semi-automatic rifle, I got a full rock and roll AK, lots of ammo. In fact, I have hundreds of them, hundreds of guys that know how to use them, millions of rounds of ammo, and a factory making more of them. The last thing I want, and inevitably what's going to happen My enemies are going to be like, oh, it's possible to make a thing like that? Engineers, get your shit together. They're going to make one like it, and my my enemy is going to acquire a version of my weapon, or they're just going to steal my technology and have the exact same weapon, and now we have a standoff, and it's not good for me. It's not good for me that my enemy has acquired my weapon. This is really tactical. You really have to understand what's going on here. With Bitcoin and Lightning and all the other layered technology is going to be built on it. If you hold Bitcoin and you use it as a store of value, the best thing that can happen for you, the best thing that can happen for you right now is the people you most despise, the Federal Reserve, 
putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet and embracing it fully. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm saying the more they do, the better it is for you. Imagine if you had the first scenario. You've got your AK-47s, and when your enemy got their AK-47s, they couldn't shoot them at you, and yours got better. Fantasy land. But that's how Bitcoin works, because of absolute guaranteed controlled scarcity. The more people that use it, the more powerful it becomes. And we're entering a place right now where if you don't use it, you're going to get left behind. And I want you guys to learn about Lightning. And Anthem Aduka, thanks for the $2 uh, super sticker. Appreciate that. So I want to show you guys right now what I, I talked about this yesterday. I have on my website now a page that says tip me, and I am shilling for tips. I, I, I like money. Um, but you can get there by going to tiplightning.com so you can always remember it. And I want to, I want to build this into something more. I'll say some stuff about that in a second. But if you go to this page, it'll take you 10 minutes to read it. It'll take you 20 minutes to learn how to do everything it tells you how to do. And I don't care if you send me one Satoshi. I'd like a Satoshi, right, which is like a fraction of a cent, but I don't care if you send me any. I don't care. What I want you to do, and yes, that if you are using Wallet of Satoshi or Breeze or any wallet that uh, that works with uh, uh, basically the email send protocol, you can you can tip me right from that QR code. Otherwise, you probably have to read and learn how to use it. And I plan on putting together... Uh, a tutorial on how to do this, uh, hopefully next week, like screenshots and everything to make it a little more clear, make people more comfortable. But comfortable is what I'm looking for here. So basically, if you're already using Exodus, and you should be, and you already have Bitcoin, and you do, you can go in your Exodus wallet. Now, it only works on the mobile version, guys, right? But you can take your Exodus wallet, click a little thing at the bottom where you see all the little options, and one of them is Lightning. You can click that. And in a couple seconds, you can set up your Lightning wallet, and then you can say deposit. And you can deposit 20 bucks or 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Everything's outlined on tiplightning.com how to do this. And all you've done is taken your own Bitcoin and put it on the Lightning network still under your control. Now you can do anything you want with it on Lightning. No nodes, no understanding, no complications. You can use it. This is the cool thing. Then you should install some other Lightning wallets. Blue Wallet, Wallet of Satoshi, Breeze, all this stuff's on that page. Send it to yourself. Because now you're dealing with, you put 50 bucks there. You put 100 bucks there. But when you're sending it, you're selling, you know, you send 10,000 sats, it's like a buck or something, right? Whatever it works out to. You send a dollar around, four different wallets. You send a dollar to this wallet, then to that wallet. Learn how all the wallets work. What if I mess up? You're at a dollar. Shut up. If you're going to complain about a dollar, I can't help you in this. I want you to unlock the understanding of the power. I'm not talking about running a node. I'm not talking about learning how all the tech works on the back end. I'm talking about taking the most simple tools that exist for you right now, learning how to use them, and then I want you to teach other people how to use them. And all this shit that we're going to create a community, and then we're going to have a currency for our own community, this is the currency for your community. If you're building an intentional community, here's your currency. 
And then you probably should learn how to run a node. And then probably you should reach out to other communities and you should create a node federation and stuff we're not going to get into today. And it's harder than I thought it was to do that side of it. It's not so much hard. It's more complex than I thought it was. It requires more activity on your part to keep things balanced, and we won't get into that today. But this, this you can use now. So I want you to think about this. I am on Exodus. I have some Bitcoin in there, and I'm like, I want $200 worth of spending money, and I want it to be nobody's business but my own. So I want it in lightning form, but I also want it the hell away from Exodus because they might have some idea who I am. So I deposit a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks or three hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin into Lightning, and then I send it. Maybe I send a dollar of it first to make sure I'm doing it right. Then I send it all to Wallet of Satoshi. Now I've downloaded Wallet of Satoshi. They, they think my email address is beefy Persian thirty whatever it is on that page. It, it says what it is there. Beefy Persian thirty seven at WalletofSatoshi.com. They have no idea who I am. They don't care. It's now on Wallet of Satoshi. I could send half of it to Blue Wallet. I can send a third of it to Blue Wallet, a third of it to Breeze. None of them know who I am. Now I've got all this lightning money, right, that's just Bitcoin. It's just off-chain now. It's like opening a tab at a bar. And I'm sitting there with it, and I can do whatever I want with it. And if I decide, you know, I don't really like this anymore, I can send it all back to my Exodus lightning wallet and then move it back to Bitcoin. And in the end, I'm a, out a few cents on one side and about $2.50 on the other, to get this comfortable, to learn all of this. And when somebody says, well, there's security risks in Lightning, they're nowhere near what the FUD says they are, but we're talking about small amounts of money. You do not move. If anybody here listens to this and then moves all your Bitcoin, assuming more than you have more than a couple hundred bucks, on a Lightning, you are dumb. Don't do that. That's not what that's for. Your 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 primary stack should stay on a hardware wallet or a multi-sig or something like that if you have significant amounts of Bitcoin. That's where it belongs. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and have a weekend with my buddies. I go to the ATM. I don't take out all my freaking money in cash. I take out 200, 300 bucks. That's your lightning. And when it's depleted and you need more spending money, you go back to the Bitcoin ATM, which now you're the Bitcoin ATM for yourself instead of buying it for ridiculous fees from some ATM on the store with a picture of your face while you're doing it. You don't think you're identified. And you just don't worry about anybody else's shit. And you go from there. And this is a school. This little page, about 10 paragraphs, is a school for free on how to use Lightning. And when you're done with it, you're like, I like it. If you want to try a transaction to somebody other than yourself and you want to tip me, great. If you prefer, say, I was going to give Jack 10 bucks, but you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go set my uncle up and to get him onboarded, I'm going to give him $10 worth of Bitcoin with Lightning and I'm going to have that experience that central banker did in El Zantle. I'm going to sit next to him. He's going to watch that green check mark and be like, holy shit. I would actually rather you spend that $10 that way than send it to me. Asymmetric warfare. This is done. This can't be stopped now. Bitcoin is a predator and you've unleashed it. It's kind of like Jurassic Park. You've un But imagine you only unleashed breeding T-Rexes. About 18 million of them at this point. You're not stopping it. You're not stopping it. It's faster, quicker, stronger, better than all the other predators and all the other prey. 
It's coming. I really encourage you guys to use Tip Lightning to learn. Again, yeah, I want tips. I know I'm going to get, you just want tip. I said it. But you can tip me 25 cents. You can tip me a dime. I've, I've literally taken some people that are totally opposed to Lightning, totally don't understand it, had them set up right in front of me and sent them a dime, right? Quarter, some 50 cents. I sent Paul Wheaton, not Paul Wheaton, wasn't Paul Wheaton. Who was it? I think John Bush. It was somebody at Exit and Build. I sent him 50 cents and they're like, holy shit. That's the power. And guys, people listen to me using the podcast wallet Breeze. You can also listen to podcasts on it and they stream me Satoshis. So as they're listening, Satoshis are streaming to me to thank me for my content. You can do that. It already exists. You don't have to do anything other than put some money in there and set the amount you want to stream when you're listening to a podcaster. Uh, and I'm not saying that just for me. Maybe you guys listen to, you know, I don't know who else is on there. Rogan? I would imagine Rogan's set up on there. If not, he should be. God, how foolish would it be if he's not? This is, this is going to change the world, and I want you to know enough about it to be part of it as it does. Somebody asked me when I'm going to do a deep dive and start nine. We'll get to that one. I think I have it marked. Ecomouse says, Jack, have you seen the latest PSYOP commercial posted by PSYOP? Very twisted. I have not. I don't know what that is. If somebody wants to fill me in on the other side, while I go through these, let me know. Lauren says, hey, Jack, I'd love to see you on with LawTube sometime. Viva and Barnes would be a good one. I don't know who that is. So if if you want to tell them to reach out to me, I'm always open. Anybody you want to email me and say, check these people out, TSBC in the subject line. Rick said, what is happening now is a direct result of the COVID policy. It was entirely predictable. And nobody I told this to in March 2020 would earn the possibility coming from shutting down the economy. I agree. I agree. I I said when COVID started, this is stupid and there's no reason for us to do anything. This is a, the disease itself is a nothing in reality. Like just because it kills people doesn't mean it's a thing. Shit kills people all the time. And with the lethality rate that it has, there was no reason to do this other than they wanted to shut it down. They wanted to cause this. And that's what's happened. We pretty much know all this now. And the, the, the Vax fear-mongering shit still hasn't stopped. My, uh, my niece is graduating from college this year. Uh, I will not be going to the graduation ceremony because you have to be vaxxed and boosted to go to it even though it's outside, and that's in Texas. right? This is, and we just had the Pfizer papers drop and see it's a 1% effective vaccine at best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is all intentional. Um, Don Ricardo said, heard the CCP, that's the Chinese Communist Party, is practicing controlling the weather in China. Yeah, I think a lot of people are practicing a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're able to do it. I don't think that China is drying out my small farm. I think a macro shift in the Earth's climate that may or may not be temporary is doing that. Um, is it a cycle or is it a shift? I'm not sure yet, but... Based on the progression over time, I think it's a shift. Donnie was the one that sent me a $10 super chat, and he asked me about comfrey and the herbal medicine maker's handbook. What method of extraction would I make for a mosquito bite remedy that will last? I would recommend salve for that, um, and the book will tell you how to do it. What I would suggest, though, and I've been doing lately since we had the, uh, what was his name now, uh, Charles Mayfield on, regenerative farmer who's doing skincare products with, with pig lard, I've always made my herbal salves with olive oil because that's what everybody tells you to do. And I had Charles on and he talked about how when you put uh, pig lard on, since it's so close to human fat that it, the skin takes it in. It actually goes into your skin better. 
And I thought about how many times I've used a salve that I've made with comfrey, and you put it on like a scrape or a bite or something like that, and you look at it a half hour later, it's still glistening. That olive oil doesn't just go into the skin really well. And I was like, I should start making my salves using pig lard, uh, you know, an organic or free range or pastured pig lard instead of olive oil because it really isn't much more expensive at all and there's plenty of it available and why not? So I was going to do it and we bought the stuff. We haven't done it yet. We're going to try one with comfrey and uh, calendula and a few other things in it following the method in the book, which is really simple. And I, I just happened when I was at Float Fest, I met a guy down there at some butchery, had a grill set up and stuff like that, and, and, and I ate a bunch of his food because it was really good. And he makes herbal salves as well, and he had done a whole bunch of comfrey and uh, uh, other uh, herbal salve uh, with the pig lard. He said it works exactly like uh, uh, was claimed by Charles on the show, that it really does absorb better. So that would be the one thing I would recommend. And when it comes to making herbal salves and all, Because it's a medicine, people start to freak out about exact measurements and all. You're not going to hurt yourself using the safe herbs, which comfrey is very, very safe, no matter what your government says. So unless you're out screwing around with things like digitalis, which is foxglove and can kill you, it isn't that important. When people say, well, how much comfrey do you put in your salve? I don't know about, and for the people on the audio, I hold my hands up, like a big handful of chopped up leaves, about this much. That's what fits nicely in the little mini crock pot that I use. And I'll throw it in there and whatever herbs I think will go well with it. <clears throat> and I put my oil or my fat in there and I set it on low and I let it sit there and you basically extract in that heated fat because it's a very good solvent for it. And then I strain it and I add, if it's too thin, I add a little bit of beeswax to it to thicken it up and put it in jars and label it and go on with my life. And it works really well. Again, that herbal make, make medicine maker's handbook, uh, if you, if you actually read it, Donnie, it'll tell you everything you need to know. Convenient business model to have a vaccine ready to go ahead of the outbreak. Yeah, it's really convenient that they're picking a, uh, a disease that they've had a vaccine for for like 60 years. Because there is no monkeypox vaccine. It's smallpox. That's what they, they do. And they said it's 85% effective. I wonder if it's 85% effective or effective the way the numbers they gave us for the COVID jab was. I don't know. Uh, Jack, I've been, Rick says also, Jack, I've been told aliens can't find our flat earth. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Um, Steve says, Jack, possibility of .gov requiring federal registration of exchange to operate inside U.S. borders. Watch control black, uh, blockchain transactions for exchanges. Yes, I understand lightning. Um, I'm no, I know more regulation is coming to the crypto space. But it's already clear, and it has been for a while, that, uh, for instance, Gary Gensler looks at, like, there's Bitcoin and there's crypto. And I'm going to say something that's going to piss a lot of people off. There's a lot of scams in DeFi and the crypto space. There's a lot of scams in the crypto space with stable coins. There's a shit ton of scamming being done with NFTs. Here's a simple scam anybody can do. You make your own NFT. You have a bunch of money. You sell it to yourself for Ethereum that you have, so you still have the Ethereum. And then you say, I just sold this NFT to myself, or I bought this NFT from some, I don't know who sold it to me, right? I bought this NFT for $500,000, and then you go in and you, you stake it in a DeFi pool, and you borrow against it, and the worst thing that can happen is they take away your NFT that's fundamentally worthless. 
They're doing that kind of that. I mean, that's different, but the same was the the cause of the Luna scam and, and caused Terra Luna to implode. Those of you that believe in hex, I don't know what's wrong with you. I, I really don't. If you dig into how it actually works, you understand that it is nothing but a freaking very advanced spin on a Ponzi. Um, and you're trusting a person, whether you know it or not, to not do a thing that's bad for you uh, and to not end up in jail and have it all come crashing down. There's a ton of stuff that see, I'm not for government, but... In this regulatory environment, if I go and come out of my world and go into the referee world, put the striped shirt on and the referee hat on and say under their rules, all these things are securities, and they're going to regulate the shit out of that. And they can, to a degree, regulate on and off ramps. You can't effectively regulate peer-to-peer software. You can't. Now, can you regulate crypto miners? Sure. But you're also sitting inside a republic, and Texas has kind of decided, we like crypto miners. Fort Worth, Texas is now mining Bitcoin for their city instead of doing some stupid city coin like Miami did. Miami could had such an opportunity. All they had to use was Bitcoin. But no, they had to come Miami coin. That's crashing and burning now just because they had to shit coin, because they had to shill to the broader audience. Um, yeah, there'll be more regulation, but you can't stop it. The way you get your arms around something like this is, again, it's asymmetric warfare, so you pick it up and use it yourself, and the compliance things you require you make really easy. They are not going to be able to do things like, hey, you have to declare all your shit or only use our walls or something. Governments are stupid, but they're not that stupid. They come up with really stupid ideas, but eventually some of the psychopaths that are in charge that aren't exactly stupid say, well, if we do that, it's going to, it's going to not work well for us. Michael says, when might you get to doing a deep dive on a start nine server? I am trying to get time to work with Matt over there and become really proficient at start nine, but I want to separate start nine from running a lightning node. Running a lightning node is a thing you can do on start nine. Running a lightning node is way more complex than I thought. And a, a real short explanation. I did like four hours of YouTube university on this the other night and went, wow, I need to just do other things for now. That's why I set up tip lightning the way I did. When I heard fund the node, I thought that meant basically I take some Bitcoin, put it in the lightning and sit it on the front and the back side of my node. It has to do with other connections, other nodes that are connected to you inbound and outbound. And so you can set up your node. You can send with it right away, but you can't receive in it until somebody opens the channel. And then it's like you have some money, but when money comes in and it needs to pass through, it's like think of it like an abacus and two beads come in on one side, but three beads go out on the other side. You still have the same amount in total, but the sides unbalance, your liquidity unbalances, and it takes an active ongoing effort, and you really have to get connected to some nodes that are active in, in processing payments for you to process payments and make money. And if that sounds confusing, I barely understand it myself, but I understand it enough to know that I can't like hire somebody, say, set this up, throw some money at it, and walk away from it. It doesn't work that way. It's not like running just running a Bitcoin node to run a node. 
it, it just to participate or whatever. It doesn't really matter unless you get connected to some other nodes that are active that are connected to some larger nodes. Now, I think long term, it would be really cool if we in our community started to build out lightning nodes and federate with each other and do business within our own communities through lightning nodes. I think that would be great, but I'm not there yet. So when it comes to the Start9 server, it's neat that you can run a lightning node. And if you understand all that shit or you're willing to do the work to figure it out, that's great. But you can also go buy a hosted lightning node for like 35 bucks a month. I mean, there's companies that you can just, you can order one and turn it up. I think it's called Vol Voltage or something like that. You can turn up a node in minutes. You still have to do all that configuration bullshit, and you still have to do all of your linking to other channels and stuff like that. But if you just want a node, you can basically open a, a, a co-located hosted node. And if you want to do a dedicated machine, you can do that. And if you run your own server like like I do, you could conceivably build a node on it, right? So, but I'm just... I am not there yet, and it's more complex than I thought. But using it, and this people always talk about the term hyper-Bitcoinization. When does that happen? That happens when average people that don't know what Bitcoin is are using Bitcoin without knowing they're using Bitcoin. And that's what's going on with Lightning already. People are downloading Strike, don't care about Bitcoin, using it like, using it like Square, using it like Venmo. And they're sending 10 bucks for pizza to their buddy as using it as a dollar wallet. And they're using Bitcoin and Lightning and they don't know it. That, that's, that's where we're going with that. But again, tip Lightning will teach you what you need to know. What's your recommendation for water filtration treatment for being on city water? Berkey. That's it. Full stop. Berkey. Or any other filter you want to use. But Berkey, that's my main recommendation. Um, And they, they were a sponsor for a very, very long time. And uh, honestly, the reason you don't hear about them much more on the air is they stopped paying their bill, and I didn't ask them to keep doing it because I felt like, how long can I push one product to the same audience? So there's going to be some changes. What I've done is some of the sponsors you don't hear on air, but their banners are still on the site. That's kind of happened to a few of them. And I've just, out of goodness of my heart and the years of supporting them and, and having them support me, especially when I was nobody, I've kind of just left them be. I don't really care about sponsor revenue very much anymore because you guys are so good to me. I don't need sponsors. And I made a conscious effort when I built out my revenue model to initially never let my sponsorship revenue be more than 20% of the show's total revenue. So that's what I did. And then That percentage just naturally, since I capped the sponsors, like capping a cryptocurrency, that percentage has just declined over time. And right now, if everybody was paying their bills, the sponsors would count for about 5% of my revenue. I, at this point, I don't ever want it to be any more because I don't give a shit about cancel culture. I don't care, and I'll never have to. If I ever have a sponsor come to me and say, Jack, it's been great, it's been fun, it's been wonderful, But uh, because you said something or the woke mob is angry or whatever, uh, we're going to have to stop sponsoring you unless a stop, unless there's no words that come after that sentence that result in anything other. Sorry to hear that. Have a good day. I serve you. 
I serve you. And even in the beginning, if you look at the sponsors I've had over the years, they're all small businesses. They're all businesses that cater to our community. And I've always tried to make my sponsors things that you would feel good that I'm bringing to you. You've never seen me shilling a vape pen. Right. And if you vape, I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying like, I, I'm not going to do that. You've never seen me shilling something that's just a widget or a gadget or a thing that, and, and this is something I've realized. And it's why I love doing things the way I do. And I want to wrap up with this thought. I have less success by being so broad, which is what many of you guys love about me. But the broad nature of what I do brings me freedom. And I see this even in my guests sometimes. You bring a guy on, right? And his thing is straw bale gardens. So who should grow a straw bale garden? Everybody should grow a straw bale garden. What's he going to say? He doesn't have an alternative. His whole income is based on the thing. Now, the beauty of having the thing is you can build a cult of the thing and a following of the thing and followers that are very familiar with the thing. And they just want to do the one thing. And then and then you can actually build a huge audience on the one thing because the audience is always getting the same thing from you all the time. And that's the thing they showed up for. So some of you, when I start talking about crypto, are like, oh, God, here he goes again. I can't wait till he's on to something else. And some of you, when I talk about gardening, are like, Jack, I love all the other prepper shit, but I'm not going to grow a garden. So fast forward past the, the, the garden, and that's fine. But what it makes me able to do is when somebody writes in and says, should I have a wicking bed? I don't know. You know, I just did a show, and it made me think about it recently. I did a show on wicking beds, and I'm like, I hope everybody understands. I'm not saying everybody needs a wicking bed. I said it right in the episode. So when somebody writes in and goes, well, I had this really great soil, put a garden in. Well, should I do raised beds? What kind of soil you got? Where is it? What are you trying to? No, just put a garden in. Just start planting shit. Should I do a hugo mound? Well, do you understand what kind of maintenance those require and like what it does and what climate you're in and all? Maybe. I am able, because of the way I operate, to say this is what I personally think will work best for you. And if you don't like that, then maybe this thing will work for you. And if you don't like that, then I don't know, maybe you should get advice from somebody else because I don't rely on any one thing. I don't sell a gadget. I can't tell you how many companies have come to me over the years. I think I pissed them all off by saying no to them all. Do you want to do a bug out bag? We'll make a custom bug out bag for your audience. And I'm like, no. Well, you can pick the items in it and then we'll give you a piece of it and like, you'll make a lot of money. Well, I know I'll make a lot of money, but it's bad advice. First of all, 90% of the shit that should be in your bug out bag is already in your house. You probably have a reasonable bag. You need to take the shit and put it in your bag and figure out the shit you don't have that need to be in your bag and you need to do that. that. You don't need to buy the Jack Spirico approved $299 bug out bag that has a bunch of shit in it you already have. And I'll tell you, yeah, I give good business advice, but the, the person who just wants to make more money and just build a larger following, the do those things advice will get you a larger following in time if you're good and more money. But it won't get you a more loyal following. It won't get you a stronger community. People that go into things like that, they, they are, uh, human nature is I'm really into this thing right now. So I'm going to be into this thing. And while I'm into this thing, I'm going to follow the people that are into this thing. And then when my interest changes, I toss them away with the things that I won't use anymore. 
if you want to build, in my opinion, in the 2020s, a loyal following, you need to be broad even if you're in a space. If you're in the Bitcoin space, you need to be in how to take, you know, running a business on Bitcoin, running a bit like the technical, the business acumen, uh, the politics of it. You need to be broad so that the person that is into that space is also getting this this broad breadth of knowledge from you rather than you're just the dude that knows how to set up a node. Well, if that's all you are, once I have my node up and running, I don't need you anymore. And what I found, and this this changed everything about how I ran TSP in the early days, a little quick history and we'll wrap up. Um, when I started building this and I started thinking about monetizing it and I started taking some sponsors and I realized there's some money there, I started thinking about the membership. I also thought about product. And I realized I was trying to create in my mind a widget that I could sell for a profit just for the purpose of making money. And I was like, you know, if there's ever something that doesn't already exist that I can come up with and do better than somebody else, then that's noble and I'll do it. But if I'm creating a, a widget or a thing or a gizmo just to enrich myself, I'm preying upon my people and I won't do it. And that's, you know, I'm, I am going to be releasing this uh, this aquatics course. I worked for it four hours yesterday just on shooting, like, supporting videos and building slide decks and all. It's going to take, I, I said midsummer, it might be end of summer, and I'm working on it every day. It's not like he's a procrastinator. It's not me. It's, I'm pouring my heart and soul and guts into it. I'm only doing it for one reason. There isn't one that's anywhere near as good as what I can do for you. So I'll do that. You want to build something. Build on a strong foundation. Part of why I'm a fan of Bitcoin is it makes you do what I just described doing, building TSBC. When you have money based on debt and fiat, which is what the dollar is, you're going to think short-term because you have to. And often the most beneficial thing you can do for yourself if you become wealthy in our terms is stay in as much debt as possible at all times. It actually is more profitable to be in debt with dollars than it is to have no debt with dollars. I don't care what Dave Ramsey says. Now, if you're a consumer-level person, I'm not talking about I'm talking about millionaires. If you are a millionaire in America, you're in debt and you stay in debt intentionally because you know you're holding a liability and the cost of holding capital is too expensive to not be in debt. So you're going to think short term. You're going to mine the soil and produce animal food and feed it to humans. You're going to build shitty infrastructure that falls apart. You're going to look for the quick buck so you can convert it into a leveraged debt as fast as possible. If you're working with a hard currency that holds value across time and can move across space, you're going to think completely differently. You're going to think about 10 years from now, will I still have what I have today? Where most people think in 10 years, will I have more than I have today? If you're building something that naturally grows in value, all you need to have in the future is what you have today. If you're building something that declines in the future, you have to think, how do I get as much as I can right now so I'll have more 10 years from now? It's bringing back generational wealth. It's the future. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed, Dinto says. 
tomorrow is not guaranteed to you or to me. But unless we completely annihilate our planet, there will be a tomorrow. When we change our time preference with money, we change our time preference with everything. Rather than what can I have now, what am I building into the future, we ensure that tomorrow for those that we leave behind when eventually our tomorrows run out. I think that's a good place to close. Thank you, guys. I'll be back Monday with another episode. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You don't have to be another face in the crowd.